So my brother and his wife, my sister-in-law, they live in England, in Plymouth. Uh, she's American, he's obviously Irish, and they live in, uh, in England. So there's a, a very funny mix of accents at times. When the kids speak, they don't know what accent they have. It's a, it's a mix. Um, Fionnula will often say things like, Mommy, Mommy, where are my pants? It's this mix of American and English and, and that, but just, just uh, Alex, was, Alex is my sister-in-law. She was just telling me last week uh, that Fanula, the oldest girl, came home from school and uh, was talking about this, 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 an event that was happening at the school. And she said, um, yeah, the, the, the pasta is coming. And she was like, the pasta? Okay, maybe it's Italian week, I don't know, okay. And then like the following day, yes, but we're, we're learning a new song for the pasta. Learning a song for the pasta? Why would you learn a song for pasta? And then she said, then, then the following day, yeah, it's just a, it's a big celebration because the, the, the pasta doesn't come very often. And she said, what, sorry, sorry, what, what exactly is happening on Thursday? I said, the pasta's coming, the pasta's coming, we've learned the song and the pasta's coming. And she's just trying to scratch her head going, what on earth does this mean? And she said, what's the pasta? She said, no, it's not what's the pasta, mommy, who's the pasta? The pasta of the church. Oh, the pastor. Oh, the, 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 or she'd say the pastor. <laughs> the pastor. The pastor is coming. Okay, it's a Protestant church. It's a Protestant school. It's a seven-day Adventist school. Uh, and she just, I mean, she, was, she, she tells me these stories regularly because there's, there's so many just funny things that the kids say with their little accents and all of that, uh, like calling dessert pudding and that sort of thing. Um, but anyway, uh, but I find it interesting to see how how in normal human relations, even with your own children, especially now, I suppose there's another thing these days with children with their kind of, their, their gaming vocabulary, these Gen Z abbreviations and uh, uh, all sorts of things that they can talk in a language that, that, again, their own parents can be listening to their kids speak and go, I have no idea what you're saying. I have no idea what you're talking about, really. Uh, so, I mean, in your own family, in our own language, with your own children, you can find it hard to understand them, even though they are speaking a version of English. Uh, uh, how much more difficult can it be then for us to understand God, who speaks in a, not, not so much a different language, because it, it, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a question of, of semantics, it's, it's not a question of, of just what language you speak, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a language that speaks at a different level. It's aiming to speak in, into this, into the heart, into your interior life. So it's not just, you know, he's poetic or something. And that's why Jesus is able to tell such simple parables. I mean, for any scholar, I mean, keeping in mind how smart Jesus was, okay, he has a divine intellect, okay? He designed the atom like that. We didn't even have to tick the fingers. Before the fingers were ticked, before there were even fingers. Uh, like, it was all just thought of and invented and existed. Okay, just this, this divine intellect is absolutely phenomenal. And yet he can tell stories about little sheep and little goat and little goats and wine presses and, and all like, such simple stories that for 2,000 years we're still meditating in the church. But that's because they're profound. They're so simple on one hand, semantically, linguistically, they're very simple. But that the message of it is quite deep because it's a language of the heart that he's trying to speak. And so he tells this story, and you can imagine the weight in his words and the weight on his heart as he tells this parable of the, 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 the landowner who plants a vineyard, plants, the, plants the, the vines and has the grapes, the grape press and the tower and the fence all around it. Basically everything is set up. It lacks nothing. All you have to do is wait and the grapes will magically appear and need to be 
cut and pruned and pressed and all good to go. Nothing, they lacked nothing. So then the, the, the landowner sends, sends his servants to, to pick up the produce at the right time and uh, they're beaten, they're cast out, they're even killed. Then he sends his son, his son. They will respect my son. I mean, it, it's obvious to us what Jesus is saying here. Jesus knows what he's saying too. He's talking about himself. The people of Israel in the Holy Land, this land prepared for you and given to you where you lack nothing, milk and honey flow, all is there for you. All you have to do here is the very simple, simple task in the grand scheme of things it is simple of doing what the Lord asks. You know, you do what the Lord asks, you receive blessing, you follow your own more base passions or passions in general, uh, your base appetites, and chaos ensues. Logically, logically, why on earth would we choose this? Logically, why would we choose sin? Why? We do. But why, why on earth do we do this? When it's so, our own experience and, and the experience of the saints, the experience of the church throughout history, read your history books, when, the, when we did or when we have done what the Lord asked us to do, we were blessed. Things went well. And as soon as society starts to veer away from God, it heads towards degeneration, everything starts to fall apart. Families fall apart, then the ensuing addictions and depression and suicidal tendencies and so on and so forth. I mean, and we're going to see more of this because society is falling apart. I mean, it looks good out there. We look wealthy. But if you've ever spoken to a teacher recently, ask them how things are getting on. Ask them how things are in the classroom. And they'll tell you, it's, yeah, I love being a teacher, but we weren't prepared for this. This is, this is like you're spending a third of your time maximum teaching the kids. And the rest of it is just somewhere between crowd control and, and, and pastoral accompaniment. You're just trying to keep them coming to school or in secondary school, you know, stop them from, keep them out of their uh, various addictions and <coughs> phobias and uh, everything. It's, it's so much more complicated than just imparting information like it used to be when you went to school. You just went and you learned your maths, you learned your history, you learned your Irish and you went home. Whereas now, does the, the, you, know, you have to have counsellors and, and therapists and all, the, all sorts of people involved now to, to, to manage the woundedness of contemporary young people. So things have changed radically. And as society veers away from God, that's going to get worse. Because we don't have that. We, we, we don't want that blessing. We don't want the Lord interfering with our freedom. And so we'll choose his other lifestyle, which just leads to darkness. It leads us away from God. So the Lord tells this, this parable, and it's so simple. They will respect my son, he said. But the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir, come on, let us kill him and take over his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Jesus was seized, taken out of, the, of Jerusalem and crucified outside the city walls, just like this, just like this parable. So the Lord knows what he, what he wants to try and communicate to us and he used this, uses this, this very simple language to try and speak to the heart. The story of the prodigal son, similarly, these kind of things are just very simple stories to speak to the heart. Because that's where the, that's where the battle is for. We've said this before. The battle that's in, that's in, that we are all engaged in, whether we want to or not, it is raging around us. The battle is for the heart. The battle is for the heart. Because if you control the heart of a man, you control the man. 
If you control the heart of a man, you control the man. If the Lord wins our hearts, then our actions will, will, will follow suit. But if we say the world wins our hearts, then our actions will follow that too. I saw a video recently of, of Father uh, Bishop Robert Barn, uh, who so eloquently, as always, spoke about how we will generally speak or repeat what we have heard. So if we're filling our, our, our minds and hearts with, as the Americans would say, with trash, you know, with, uh, with rubbish, with, do you know like those, those tabloid papers, I've heard, it's just all about gossip. It's just absolutely useless and needless information. It's just rubbish. You know, it's just, if, you know, what stars after having an affair with who and what stars after getting a huge big car and you know, where they live now and the size of their houses and pools and who's been caught in their underwear somewhere they shouldn't have been. I just needless rubbish. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely pointless stuff. But if this is what we fill our minds with on a daily basis, what do we expect will, will come out of us when we speak? If this is what we're kind of feeding ourselves, what do we expect our fruit to be? St. Paul tells us today, fill your minds with everything that is true, everything that is noble, everything that is good and pure, everything that we love and honor, everything that can be thought virtuous or worthy of praise. Now, fill your minds and hearts with good things, with all these noble and virtuous things. And then, generally speaking, you'll find that when you speak, that's what will start to come out. If you fill your mind and heart with, with kind of useless rubbish or negativity, just, I mean, even you can be watching Catholic things, but all of the, the kind of the, the more doomsday Catholic things, and then you'll find that when you speak, you're actually really, really negative, even about your own church. You know? So if we fill our minds and hearts with negative things, or with, 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 uh, with sad things, or with, with, with things of gossip, that's what, generally speaking, we will repeat. And today, like, it, it's, it, that's a difficult challenge because do you remember back in the day when the most scandalous thing on TV was Dallas? And I remember my mom feeling slightly guilty for watching it, but she just had to find out who shot JR. <laughs> who shot him? <laughs> right? So she had to keep watching. Right? And it, but that, that was the most, do you remember that, that was the most scandalous thing on TV? Remember when Bobby had an affair, right? <laughs> an affair. I didn't know what the word affair meant. I was, I don't know, 10 or something. I was like, what's an affair? <laughs> You know, that, that was this, the most, imagine, like, the innocence of it. Well, if that was the most shocking thing on TV, like, whereas nowadays, I'm, I, I, again, I've never seen this whole Love Island business, don't want to. But, like, <coughs> different league, different league. And, but that's the direction things are going. Why? Because we need constantly to be more or m more shocked, more excited, more horrified. So the standard kind of horror movies of the 80s or 90s, they're, they're not horrible enough now. Now we have to drag in Satanism and people's faces being ripped off while the camera is right there. You know, like it, it has to get more and more graphic and more and more vile and more and more base because the shocking things of 10 years ago now aren't shocking anymore. Where we've become used to them. Kind of, they've been normalized. It's just normal. Remember back in the day, seeing someone getting shot was, was, was horrendous. Whereas now in, in, in movies, it's your John Wicks and that kind of thing. It's, it's much more graphic, much close-up, and people exploding and things. It's horrible, horrible. This is the tendency of things. Why? Because if this is what we fill our minds and hearts with, 
It's no longer entertaining, it's only normal. So it, there has to be something new and shocking. So the more we fill our minds and hearts with these things, the, the more base we become. The more our attention is taken off the good and noble things of heaven. So when we pick up our remote controls or our phones, what are we putting into our minds and hearts? There's plenty of good stuff out there. There is good material out there. There is. And admittedly, it's not as shocking or as entertaining as some of the other stuff. And that is, that's the challenge. That is the challenge. Like to, to, to renounce those things that are, that are not of God, simply put. They're not of God. In favor of things that actually nourish my soul. But what's the, the consequence of that? If there's anything you need, it's the same, Paul. Pray for it, asking God for it with prayer and thanksgiving. Prayer and thanksgiving, he says. Prayer and thanksgiving. And that peace of God, which is so much greater than we can understand, will guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful expression. Okay, I will, will hear that one again. If there's anything you need, pray for it, asking God for it with prayer and thanksgiving. So prayer and thanksgiving. And that peace of God, which is so greater than we can understand, will guard your heart. So we're praying to, we have an intention or a need. We pray for it with prayers and thanksgiving. So I'm asking God and I'm thanking him. Thank him for all that he's already done. Kind of calling to mind his, uh, his track record. What has, what has he already done in my life? And you look at your kids beside you. And you look at your job. And you look at your house. You go, well, actually, we've been so blessed. We've been so blessed. So incredibly blessed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, so much as focusing on what I don't have, but Lord, I recognize what I do have. So prayers and thanksgiving, I thank you, Lord. I praise you for all that you've done in me and done through me. And the, the, the privilege I've had of, of being a teacher or a parent or, or even, uh, uh, you know, uh, a, a bricklayer to, to build homes that people can live in in safety. I thank you that I can do that. Prayers and thanksgiving. And the consequence of that and that peace of God which is so greater than we can understand, will guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. The consequence of that kind of prayer and thanksgiving is peace. Is peace. You can watch 20 gory horror movies, you will not have peace. You can watch 20 gory action movies. You can watch all of the lives of the rich and famous that you want and your whatever is on TV these days. It's pretty much all the same. You can watch hours of that. I guarantee you, yes, it will seem to promise to satisfy some sort of a desire in here, but it will not grant you peace. Never. Never. You'll just want kind of, you'll be kind of semi-sedated into watching more. But it just doesn't grant you peace. There's no peace in it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if you want to watch a, a rugby match, please do support Ireland. Han Dubai's, right? It's really great, good. Enjoy these good things. Fantastic. But to see in that the fulfillment of my desire, the, 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 the fulfillment of, of, of my needs, not even close. We will never, ever have peace without recognizing who God is, what he has done for us, putting him in the right place, and turning to him in our needs with prayers and thanksgiving. And the consequence of that is peace. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want peace?
So we ask the Lord for that grace to, to be able to say no to things that aren't of him, that we can say a wholehearted yes to all that is good and noble, all that we love and honour, all that can be considered virtuous or worthy of praise. May we do th these things and discover the peace that only he can give. Amen.